Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. Fight back against annoying household messes with CLR Clear. CLR Clear is tough on dirt and grime all around your home, and we're not just talking about calcium, lime, and rust. They have an entire lineup of cleaning products for your kitchen, bathroom, garage, and more. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. CLR Clear, fight the clean fight. Eileen Fisher designs simple clothes to make your life easier. Timeless pieces in high-quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and more positive impact in the world. Visit EileenFisher.com and use offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. I'm so froggy. And I'm Ann Friedman. (laughs) Hi, Ann Friedman. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, it's just battling colds left and right. We're both sounding like crap, but it's okay. Okay, well, I have a treat for both of us today. Um, and the treat is this wonderful conversation with Cameron Esposito. Yes! Okay, now, uh, thank you. I'm back. You've pulled me back in. Okay, so Cameron, for those who are unfamiliar, is an incredible stand-up comedian who's been doing this for like 10 years plus. She has a podcast called Query that is relatively new and amazing. Another podcast called Put Your Hands Together, which is also a live show that she produces and does with her wife, Rhea Butcher. And she and Rhea also had a show on CISO called Take My Wife, which last year when CISO ceased to exist was not rehomed, which resulted in like fan outcry because many other shows on the network were picked up elsewhere. So that is not a commentary on the quality of the show, which was really, really wonderful. So yeah, I have some like, there are a few things I didn't talk to Cameron about that I definitely want to bring up with you. One of them is I forgot to tell her how, maybe you remember this, a really early episode of the podcast, we were talking about women comedians making like explicit jokes about their periods. Do you remember this? Yes, yes, yes. And (laughs) yes, yes, yes. And I I think that it was a listener who wrote in and was like, you need to listen to this Cameron Esposito bit. You're right. That's literally what it was. It was so long ago. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, maybe Gina can play, maybe Gina, you can play a little clip of it here, but I like, I truly think about it every time I'm like day two menstrual and my body is turning itself inside out. I think of this bit of hers. My body is bleeding out of my body. My body is smashing my body out of my body using my body. She's been with us all along. That's such a like early uh, CYG lol. Totally. So I did not fan out. I did not say to her, I think of you every time I menstruate. Um, <laughs> Good job, and Thank you. Skills. I played it so you. cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I sort of wanted to bring up with her, but like didn't really come up in the context of our conversation is because she said 
definitely ask me about queer stuff. That's like an explicit request that she had, which I thought was cool. But also I did not use her invitation to talk about my own feelings slash maybe some regrets about the title of this podcast, especially when I think about our queer listeners. I know our like uh, our secret, like like biggest annoyance at ourselves was because when we named the show Call Your Girlfriend, we literally were not thinking about anything except for how much we loved Robin. It's like every way that you're supposed to be thoughtful about something, like we were not thoughtful <laughs> about at all. We're just like, oh, let's make a podcast and see Oh, what, what the URL's available? Sure, let's right, go right. for it. The, yeah. the URL's available? Like, don't examine, like, feelings about queerness and, like, heteronormative speak and, like, all of this other stuff. Uh, yes, that's exactly what we did. And I don't, we've never talked about this, like, publicly, I don't think. Well, someone asked us about it at our DC live show, actually. And, like... We didn't have a lot to say except just like, you're right, it's pretty heteronormative. Whoops. You know, like we did not have a good, like thoughtful, I at least don't remember having a thoughtful response. No, like obviously, like if we had had a thoughtful response, we probably would not have named the show this. (laughs) I think that that's, I think, I think that that's fair, but it's definitely something that we both think about. And I still have like very unresolved feelings about, you know, because clearly I think, You know, if there was some, like, huge outcry about, like, oh, my God, this is, like, super offensive and you're harming, like, somebody actively, then, of course, like, change the name of the show. Like, call, like, whatever. Like, I don't care. But I Call your person. I know, but I think... um, And I think the reason probably that it keeps me awake at night is because I wonder if, like, more people are offended by it than say anything to us because they just assume that our politics are good, you know? Or the opposite. Like, I'm like, have I turned into a monster? And uh, I'm like, you know, and nobody, and somebody's like afraid to confront me about it. I was thinking about the opposite, which is like, how many amazing uh, listeners have we lost because they like realized that we were not using this term in a way that the modern context generally accepts it, which is to say like girlfriend, a person you are in a romantic relationship with, not a platonic relationship with. Yeah, Um, true. And the thing that's funny is that like, we never call each other girlfriends. Right? Like never (laughs) once have we we been like, hey girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah, no. And, um, and, and that's really funny because before we started recording, you were telling me that, you know, like I've always associated that with like, um, maybe like slightly older ladies do that, you know? And, and not in the way that, like, we have reclaimed Lady, you know, which I know really annoys some of our older listeners. And some and, contemporaneous listeners, for sure. Like, um, who, yeah, yeah, but you, I care more about the older listeners is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I'm just like, it, I, the, the thoughtlessness of it is really, it's like looking back on it like this many years now, I'm just like, wow, like, I, like, I just can't believe we didn't think about that. But also, I can 100% believe we didn't think about that because that's how careless people are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the list of things that we did not think about while starting this podcast is like a scroll that is like unfurling for miles. So, you know, I mean, add it to that list. But also, it's one of those things where, unlike a lot of stuff we didn't think about, which is like, hey, is this a business? Like, how are we growing and evolving it? How do we feel about having an audience? All that stuff you can kind of work out in real time, whereas like the name is pretty fixed. Like our thoughtless choice from early on is like fixed. <laughs> so all of that is to say, I did not discuss this with Cameron because I couldn't think of call a way to- Call her fr- back right now. Call her I back could- right now because now I, that's all I care about. <laughs> I know. I mean, 
I also didn't want to do that thing where I make a queer identified guest on the show, like put her in a position where she would have to be like, it's fine. You know, like totally. I don't need that. Like I actually yeah. think it's totally fine to be a listener of this show who likes the substance of what we say, but still thinks it's fucked up that it's, that this is what the name is or whatever. Like, I think that's a totally acceptable position to take on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame I need to be reminded of daily. And like every time, every time I hear the name, I'm reminded of it. So, you know, it's like constant vigilance. It's my own failing. Ugh. So yeah, so here's me and Cameron on queer stuff, on uh, the term wife, on growing up super Catholic. Oh my God, we talked about so much Catholic baggage. Oh um, my God, white Catholic ladies. I can't wait to hear. White Catholic <laughs> Midwest ladies getting so real. She blew my mind with some deep thoughts about Catholicism that had never registered despite like decades of feminism. Here's Cameron. And this is so nice to be at your house. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, oh, should I stay? We're at your house. We're at your house. Oh, my God. Well, you have not given the exact address, so I think it's fine. No, I'm not going to tell the exact address, but Great. I know what it is. I love I love that this comes on the heels. We were just talking about your podcast mm, and yes. how you strive to create a safe space yes. for people who are on the podcast. Welcome to my home. This is the safest space I have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I was hosting, I would prefer to be in a studio. Yeah. This doesn't sound weird coming from a stand-up comic, but I like uh, controlled environments. That's very surprising to me. Is it? Kind of. Oh, stand-up comedy is like the most controlled environment that you could ever have. Maybe to outsiders because it's like we see hecklers or things like that. True. Then yes. it, it seems like, oh my God, you're speaking. Because for me, I think like any podcast is a controlled environment. I'm on the phone with my bestie or with someone who we whose work we love. And it's not like anything could happen. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so... I will say, I don't personally, I've never had stage fright. Ooh. And I usually like talking to people in the audience. So, like a really, a heckler with terrible intentions is going to be impossible for anybody to feel like sure. great about. Because even if you win, you're like, ugh, I had to like stoop to a level like, I am an artist. And that's not what I, And there's you know, always a win in a heckle. Uh, yeah. There's, there's always, always a winner. A win. mm -hmm. Yeah. And it should be the comic. Like you're kind of bad if it's not you. Um, because I feel stressed already just thinking. About it. <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. doesn't mean you're like destroying the person. It usually means you're just trying to have them be quiet so that the rest of the audience can have a good time. Right. You know, I think if, if you're the kind of person that feels really comfortable on stage talking to hundreds or thousands of people as one unit, mm -hmm. that might mean that you have a need to sort of control interactions. Because, yeah. Because <laughs> like, that's a very... Um, you're literally on a stage, you're lit, they're not lit. Oh um, my God. It's well, a and, different thing. And also you spent a bunch of time, I mean, you spend a lot of time on the road, right? Yes. Like, and it's not like you're just like down the street from your house in Los Angeles, like you and Rhea are out and about, like you're out and about on your own, right? Like, Yeah, I've been touring. I mean, I started doing comedy professionally the day after I graduated from college. Mm -hmm. I got my first job. And then I did improv and so that was like at improv theaters. Then I started doing stand-up and that has led to 10 years of touring. And the last two years I've been in LA a lot, but yeah, Rhea and I, Rhea, my wife, mm -hmm. Rhea Butcher, we just went on a bus tour for the first time. So like, Whoa. you know, those big what? buses. Did it have your faces on the side or like a logo? It didn't because that's very <laughs> expensive. Oh. Um, and we lost our team. So initially we were going to we we're going to have our TV show on the mm -hmm. side of the bus, but we lost our TV show because our network folded. So we didn't have our faces on the bus, which I think actually ended up being fine because I didn't think that you're in there. <laughs> like if your face is on a bus, 
you are in that bus. Like you, you live in that bus. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to say your home address. Sure. And also for safety reasons, it's great <laughs> that you haven't printed out your face and wrapped your your house right. in an image of your face because that does help to keep you like right. sort of hidden. <laughs> wow. So so yeah, like it, it had not occurred to me that like you would be advertising your presence. And and also, okay, so this is what I was originally getting at when I started to ask this question is like you have been out on the road at a time when the news is devastating and difficult for everybody, definitely everybody who's a woman, definitely everyone who's a queer person. And you are like literally out there. You are on stages in places where I don't know, the prevailing sentiment might not be super awesomely inclined toward you and how you live your life and the choices you make and the people you love and your whole world. And so like, I'm curious about um, if you've had any experiences on the road, maybe positive because you're also probably making a space for a lot of people who want to hear from you, but also um, maybe what's been difficult about that in the year, the past year. Yeah, so... My life is now very, my life as a, as a performer is now very different than it used to be because mm-hmm. when I first started touring, I was never, you know, you don't start as a name draw. Mm-hmm. And so people are just wandering into like generic comedy mm-hmm. and it would be super. And also if you think about, so I've been working professionally in comedy for 15 years. If you think about the changes in this country for queer folks right. and the trajectory of the LGBT civil rights movement, it has been 15 years right. that it has gone into this hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we've always been here. Queer folks have sure. always been here. We have been erased from history, but we've <laughs> always been here. But the last 15 years has been particularly significant. I actually graduated from college, got my first job, and Massachusetts became the first state to legalize same-sex marriage the same week. Whoa! So, like, my career has been totally in- entwined with changes in the way that I was treated in every room that I walked into. I initially started doing stand-up literally to like create safety for myself mm-hmm. where I could come out to a bunch of people at once, mm-hmm. which felt safer than coming out individually because like there's other witnesses to sort of protect you. Right. Um, and it felt like a way to not always have some big secret. At the time, mm-hmm. I really didn't present as queer mm-hmm. as I do now either. Like I wore... Um, clothes you might find in a women's section and I had longer hair and so people, that was before you went asymmetrical yeah that was yeah. pre pre side mullet <laughs> uh-huh, I just uh-huh. had like long one length hair uh-huh. um, and so people never assumed that I was gay so you're I mean you're like at a bagel store being some you know like getting like a bagel and somebody's like oh are you getting this extra bagel for your boyfriend and you're like am I Coming out to the bagel employee? <laughs> like, you know, like every day is this tiny, it's uh, just little decisions, you know? And so I just was like, how can I tell everybody all the time? And the answer is to become famously gay. Mm. So that was so, the plan. That, the plan was a 15-year trajectory yes. to coincide with gaining more rights for LGBT <laughs> it people. It just happened that like, that was the moment where yeah. like, this is all such a long answer to a question, but I swear it is. That's what we're here for. Fucking cool and interesting. Um, <laughs> like we a couple years ago when Rhea and I were engaged mm-hmm. and we started touring together when we were engaged because we, we haven't always. 
we were going to plan this whole trip where we went to all these states that banned marriage equality, but we kept waking up in the morning. As we were trying to book this tour, we kept waking up and being like, God damn it, you can get married in Kentucky now. And we'd be like, <laughs> sad. There's the terrible emotion to have to be like, we have to cancel our date because our stupid tour that, anyway. We could get married um, anywhere. We could get married oh. anywhere. Oh, <laughs> the worst. But now when I go places, I... Our audience knows who we are and they come to see us. So it's not coming out to the audience. It is much more, you know, what I have found the last year is the same thing I have found for my entire career, which is that, like, we are lied to by the people that want to maintain power about what the real demographics are of this country and who lives where and who knows mm -hmm. who and what the distribution of people is in this country. Like... I am from the Midwest. I live on the West Coast now, but the term coastal elite has popped into the... I mean, it's when are we not hearing about how people in middle America are versus people in big cities and people on the coast? And what I find is that we are all dealing with the same issues, economic security being a huge one of those issues mm -hmm. that everybody's worried about. But it turns out if the political system undervalues you or criminalizes you, mm -hmm. uh, that economic security is impossible to achieve. So it's like, yeah, we should talk to the white working class. We should also talk to the white working class who are gay folks. We should also talk to trans folks who are people of color who can't get housing because they present in a different way than somebody else who's applying for the same apartment. Right. And all those people live everywhere. Like important. everywhere. I'm also from they the Midwest. Live yeah. <laughs> everywhere. I know. Anne. I know. 100%. And I feel like we've seen, like, we've not been touring for nearly as long as you have, like, with the podcast. But it's always nice to, even if this is a thing that you understand intellectually, not least because you grew up in Illinois. But, like, it's so great. And Rhea's from Ohio, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and you're from Iowa. I'm from Iowa, yeah. So we're, like, all the, all the same. Yeah, yeah, we've got them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all the Central Standard Time vowels. Although <laughs> most of Ohio might be Eastern Time. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. It is. Yeah. Oof. Ah, tough, tough one for me in the Midwest. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we know these things intellectually, but I think that being in person and seeing, like, oh, like, this community that we have politically, intellectually, over the waves of the podcast, wherever, like actually exists in some physical spaces too, must be, it must be really cool to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I'm sure you have so many women that listen to the show that then come to see, like, I'm sure that's a huge part of your demographic yeah. in terms of ticket sales. And it's literally like, I mean, number one, we talk about it as if women don't exist in this country at all. But then we also especially talk about it as if women like kind of only live in New York or like Manhattan or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> right, like, right, right. It's like the island of Manhattan where there are a few strong, loud women. And, and a couple and, in LA too. <laughs> a couple. couple yeah. Uh, -huh. uh But like we're 51% of the population. Right. So we're everywhere too. I'm very excited to talk to you also about just like working with your significant other so closely. I know that your latest album, which is doing very, very well, that you you're in Rhea, you and Rhea have a joint album that is tearing up the iTunes charts. <laughs> is that fair to say? Oh, we're excited about it because we've had separate number ones. I've had, this is my fourth album, and I've had and two of them were number ones, and then this is one together. First joint number one. This is I don't know that I literally don't know if there's a couple that's done this. Like <sighs> had 
number ones individually and together. And if they have, it's like not when iTunes existed. Yeah. I'm talking about like some old like vaudeville shit or like. So anyway, it's cool. Uh, and especially queer yeah. people. Anyway. No, no, I'm it's so good. About it. No, it's so I'm great. I'm stoked about it. <laughs> In the sort of the first little part of the album, you talk about the fact that you spend a lot of time together. You work together. And I, like a lot of people I know, have had relationships with people who kind of do exactly what I do. Not currently, (laughs) but in the past. And I have friends who are in relationships with people who do very close to the thing that they do. And I'm curious about not so much the time you spend together, because obviously, like, you choose to do it. You want to work together. But what are some of the things you've had to work through that have to do with, like, your own ego or your own, like, I don't know, how you're conceiving of your work or how good you're feeling about it because that's happening in such close proximity to this person who you love and share your life with. Yeah, that's such a good way of phrasing this question. Well, the hardest thing is ever stopping working Mm. because, like, our work is our home and my coworker is always there. So you kind of just work forever, um, which is a really good way to kill just sort of like any romance or sexuality Mm -hmm. that might have previously been a part of your relationship. (laughs) It's just like sort of always be going through HR paperwork together. Oh my God. You know, like it's it's just just a really great uh, way to to keep it fresh. Um, (laughs) But in a million ways, Rhea's got a whole thing going on where like our genders are different Mm -hmm. and some people really prefer what Rhea's doing and... Yeah, that sucks. Sometimes it'll be like a photo of the two of us and people are like telling me that Rhea's hot. I'm like, I know, but also don't you realize I posted this photo specifically because you were supposed to say that I am hot? Do you not know how moderate celebrity works? Um, but, you know, I think the the benefits are that I agree with what people think about Rhea, uh, which is rad. Do like, you feel affirmed when people are like, your wife is super hot? I mean, not, not just that, but also like funny. Like Rhea is so funny, thank God, because I think we do put too much pressure on a relationship for mm. most relationships to be able to withstand. And it just so happens that like she's also extremely funny. And as you know, I'm also extremely funny. So that helps <laughs> to like, you know, comedy's a great pressure release from from any situation. But then also to work in a field where where we both are not in the majority or mm. like we're not Jerry Seinfeld walking out in front of a brick wall. Like we Thank always God. <laughs> we always <laughs> will look weird on stage. Yeah. We will always be outside of context for what people think uh like what a normative comic is mm-hmm. and we share that. So it's like it's a real it's a real gamble. We'll see if it pays off. I mean, I'm in right now, but like, good God, to try to do all this together. It's wild. And I'm curious about this for you, but I'm sure it must be something that the two of you talk about too. Thinking about how a joke is received by someone who shares your identity or is a member of your community versus someone who's outside it, that whole like, you know, Dave Chappelle thing of like, oh, I felt like I was being laughed at in the wrong way or the jokes were being taken in the wrong way. Is that a thing that that you think about? Like, oh, for this crowd, not this joke? Or are you just like, take it, you're going to get it? (laughs) Um, How does that go? Well, I mean, I have... One thing I have made a conscious effort to do is to never throw myself under the bus because Mm -hmm. that is something that uh, women and queer comics have a history of doing because it's easier to, like, sort of dance around and make yourself farcical so that 
people are comfortable with you. And is that what um, you mean by throw yourself under the bus? Kind yeah, of like exactly. make a joke of your like, identity or your... I'm disgusting. Oh, so therefore, yeah, yeah. let's all laugh at me together and right. that will make me safe. Uh, I just have chosen to not do that. And mm-hmm. so, like I speak positively about myself, which is weird for a comic. Self-deprecating humor is like a huge part of stand-up comedy. Unless everybody else also shits on you, mm-hmm. then I don't think you need to add to that. I right. think you can be the one that's like, <laughs> I'm cool, or, you know, like, whatever it is. And, and everyone's like, oh, she did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like I'm, like, always smart or always doing the right thing, but mm. I try really hard not to make fun of how I look or, like, my body type. Right. Um, because that's something that is often done. And it's just like, oh, man, other people are really taking care of that for me. I don't mm-hmm. need to yeah. also carry that mantle. Um, <laughs> but, like, have I tailored my – I mean, I used to – I started trying to change people's minds. Mm-hmm. So that meant – you know, that means people outside of the community. I don't need to change – well, that's not true. Some queer people need to love queer people. But um, much more for the out, people outside the community. Mm-hmm. And then, like – that was trial by fire. I mean, I used to open for this comic who's like an insult comic and very specifically crass mm. and like one-linery stuff. Um, and when I would go out with this comic, we'd be playing seat, several thousand seat theaters and people were so angry that I was like being positive and like being a tiny lesbian. Oh my God. That he had to intro me offstage using like a God mic. Like to mm-hmm. the, the whole audience had to hear his voice so that he would be the one saying my name. Wow. Not like a different person. And then I would have to come out and I would have to reference something that we had done that day as friends so that people would not literally like shout me offstage. So... <laughs> Um, wow. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still processing that one. <laughs> yeah, that's what we figured out worked. Wow. Um, but yeah, now Trump's America. Mm-hmm. I cut my hair mm-hmm. and I'm just, I've just decided I'm, I've just decided I'm going to get gayer and madder <laughs> and louder and like more overtly feminist and I'm going to try really hard to include race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it's like, it didn't work, I guess. Like it worked, but it didn't work. So yeah, the no more gentle. Yeah. Like the collective experience, like, you know, if you take that experience of being introduced by this male comic and like having sort of his imprimatur as like creating a slightly safer space for you to, you know, tell jokes, it's like, oh yeah, that didn't work for us collectively either. (laughs) Like the kind of like tiptoe version. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Naivete and age, like just never Mm -hmm. having, I I guess I thought that the tiptoeing was working. It was. I mean, it did in some ways work, but I'm just much more pissed now. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, I think that I definitely feel that when it comes to living my personal truth, if you, if you'll like, we can steal that from Oprah. But I think that where it's trickier for me is the question of, especially as a white person, the question of like, can I just shut down or shut off the people who I think are like ungettable or a part of the problem. Because part of how I'm like thinking about this era is like, okay, well, you know, straight people have to come and get the straight people and white people have to come and get the white people. And like people who, people who are participating in like ancient systems of oppression need to like work on getting free together. Right. But that can feel a lot like 
you know, kind of hand-holding or tiptoeing or maybe not something that people have always earned. And so, I don't know, that's not really a question, but... I mean, I my... <laughs> but I also have always gotten that I'm, like, brash mm-hmm. um, and loud and, like, that I... I mean, I'm just... I'm a woman who talks, so it's a real problem. Yeah, you seem to have opinions and I have stuff. opinions yeah, uh-huh. and I back them up with thought <laughs> and experiences and this is a real problem. I right. say them in a loud voice uh, that's also amplified through a microphone. Right. So it's just, like a real issue and like for instance something like Twitter I used to like rack my mind to try and think of like jokes mm-hmm. to put on Twitter because <laughs> really I'm like just that's like part of your job right that's yeah like my job but I really have try- it's like mostly political statements mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I fucking tried I mean if you think I'm like loud and annoying and I'm censoring myself mm-hmm. then like I guess maybe I should just Stop censoring myself if I'm already loud and annoying. Right. What are you going to say? She got louder and more annoying? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but then the everyone... Same criticism. Everyone else is like, she got louder and more annoying. Exactly. Yes. Like, yes. we need every yeah. we need a million of you. I, yeah. have, <laughs> I have found that people are very grateful for the loudness this year. And also, like, I, I just... My stand-up has never really something like whiteness like mm-hmm. my stand-up has never included that because like in the trajectory of my career we were moving in a positive direction mm. we had a f- our first black president like mm. I felt like booking comics of color to talk in a first person way about their experience was like the thing to do right to open doors and now I'm just like oh no it's like Bo- I have to, oh, t- both I have to cons- yes yeah right it's both ends yes mm-hmm. I have to tweet the words white people and then get beyond the bubble of my retweets. Do you ever have that happen? Oh, Where, like, yeah. You get so far beyond the bubble of your retweets and then people start saying racist things to me because my last name is Esposito. And my last name is Friedman <laughs> and I'm not Jewish and I get anti-Semitic <laughs> tweets. Wow, we have a lot like, yes. you know, yeah, commonality there. And you're like, mm-hmm. I am a white people. Yes. Deal with that. <laughs> like, I'm this mad at white people and I'm a white people. So like, I don't even want to try to tell you how angry people of color are if you can't deal with this white person's anger at white people. Oh my God, completely. Yeah. And also like those people can't Google. Like that's the other thing, you know? I mean, it's like, it's like, wow, like you should Google me and get the full picture of like everything that like can be brought against me in like the court of racial justice, you know? But friend, like it is so beyond, this is a tiny story that I think will have a payoff that might make sense. In my neighborhood mm-hmm. is a neighbor of mine, this older male couple, and um, they put a nativity in front of their house mm-hmm. and it has two Josephs mm. in it. And I took a picture of it last year. Rhea took a picture of it last year. We posted it. It made me happy. Lots of likes on that one. Lots of yeah. likes. Mm-hmm. This year, took a picture, posted it. Many likes, mm-hmm. but also a, literally a statement from the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up Catholic. I'm, I did too. I'm so jealous that you got a statement from a the Catholic Church. A statement from the archdiocese, <laughs> the from the Bishop of Providence, Rhode Island. Wow. Um, many, multiple write-ups on this photograph in like conservative publications. Mm. I mean, I'm sure you could even imagine what they are. Yeah. It was mentioned in the Washington Post with a photo, with my photo, Mm -hmm. in a roundup of offensive nativities that included (laughs) zombie nativities. (laughs) And has now gotten to the point where, I don't know what happened this week, Mm -hmm. but somehow it got to Italy. Because now I'm getting... Death threats that I have to translate to realize whether or not they're death threats. Wow. On my Facebook page. 
page because I posted that I was happy. Uh, I just posted a picture of plastic white men. Also, the the crazy thing about this <laughs> is that the like the Christmas story would totally work with two Josephs. It's an immaculate conception. Thank you, Anne. Like absolutely, they, are they true. missing the broader point here? That the yeah. other part of it because yeah. like a lot of because it got a lot of love, but the all of the like hate that I heard was uh-huh. in the same category of. Um, historical inaccuracy. <laughs> and I will just tell you, if you have a white people nativity, oh my God. that you are also having a really historically inaccurate yeah. nativity. Like if you've got Nobody one of those white bohunk Jesuses yeah, framed exactly. and hanging in your house. Exactly. Like, yeah. Nobody was like, actually, yeah. like, I am most offended that these are two white skin Josephs when they should be two brown skin Josephs. Why are people not enraged about the right things? Like- I just don't know. <laughs> like um, systems of oppression, I guess. Every generation has its challenges. Some would say that's the reason for its progress. It might start with a small act of kindness or a big idea that changes everything. It can come from the tiniest voice or the voice of a generation. Or it could come from me. I mean, not to. I am one of six change-making women featured in Eileen Fisher's Good Goes On campaign this spring. The campaign highlights women empowering women, the importance of sustainability, and the power of good design. Eileen started in 1984 with the idea that simple clothes can make life easier. And after spending a day on set wearing a super comfortable ultra chic jumpsuit, I think she's really on to something. As a company, Eileen Fisher believes doing well by doing good, and that's reflected in the way their clothes are made. Timeless styles and quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and a more positive impact on the world. It was a real honor to be featured in this campaign and meet the other women making a difference in their community. I've been a longtime Eileen Fisher fan, so this was a dream come true for me. You can visit EileenFisher.com and use the offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off of your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com. Offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. I think you also tweeted recently (laughs) something about being culturally Catholic or Catholic oh, being yeah. your dominant. And yeah. this is also something that I share other than other than sort of generalized white person identity. Like Catholic is like a, a strong cultural upbringing touchstone. And I have some family questions related to that. Like when it comes to your job and your identity and your jokes. I mean, I feel, I don't know. So I'm curious. Oh yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was terrible when I came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... 19 or 20 and, you know, awful. Like, it was really awful. Uh, the first person I came out to was a roommate mm-hmm. and that was my best friend at the time and she didn't talk to me for a month. 
That was my roommate. While you're living together. And um, we were at a college where I couldn't come out because you could be kicked out of school. Um, And then when my parents found out, they cried a lot. They cried for literally years and took me to therapy, which I think they thought was going to be positive talk therapy, but I thought was conversion therapy. Oh, my God. Um, and I say all of this because I think... So I'm I'm 36, mm-hmm. and I think it's really easy to forget that, like, this is something that a lot of people are living now, mm-hmm. and that this is... I mean, I still consider 36 a moderately young person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Like, this is recent history. I mean, this was in the 2000s. Right. So, um, and this still happens, and I think as we talk about progress and as we talk about like the current administration as like, Oh my God, we can't believe we're back here. It's like for a lot of people, it also never changed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. But then in terms of like, where are they now? I mean, it's just a completely different story. Mm -hmm. Like my dad sang somewhere over the rainbow, which he asked if he could sing at my wedding because it was important (laughs) to him. Um, And that doesn't mean that that's not my culture. Like, it's mm. totally bizarre. And I'm sure this, I'm sure you can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Like, everything I think is because I went to Catholic school my whole life and I'm from the super Italian Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And I played mass when I grew up, when I was growing up. That was my favorite game to play. Like, wow. Yeah. We, we played that too. Yeah. Like, use, we use potato chips as like hosts. Better yeah. cheddars. That's better cheddars. Or, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sliced bananas. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, I mean, it's just a huge. A uh, part of how I live my life because I feel like the mess. What we could do if we wanted to was take is take the messages um, that like people in the past were writing down or mm-hmm. passing along through oral, oral tradition about like loving each other. Mm-hmm. We could take those messages and use them as philosophy if yeah. we wanted to. Say hypothetically, if we, we were could, to want that, if yeah, we want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's also like I had. I, I don't, in some ways, don't even identify as lapsed because it's like my family's Catholic. I never was into it. Like I stopped going to communion at like third grade or whatever. I was like not into it. It's it's given me a lot of like, like that rebellious phase of like, oh, I hate all things Catholic. It made it hard for me to realize how deep a lot of that stuff had gotten in there, you know? Because I was like, oh yeah, I never really liked it. But I like, I was thinking about talking to you today and about how I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, when I think about Cameron, I think about like, Wife is a positive term. Someone who uses that term in a way that doesn't mean like religious subjugation to like a, you know, a nuclear hetero family unit or like, you know, but seriously. And I'm, I'm curious about like whether you feel like beyond the just, you know, the kind of passed down folk wisdom, love everyone. If there's stuff that you've actively felt like you're like, yeah, I'm going to claim this from my cultural tradition and own it. Oh, yeah. Are, I mean, are you ready for this answer? I'm ready. So when I'm ready. you <laughs> in third grade were like moving away from the church, uh-huh. I was moving toward the church. Mm-hmm. I was a Eucharistic minister. Oh, um, wow. My mom would have died if I'd been, a, she would been yeah, so happy. So that yeah. means you like give the, <laughs> you give the host out to people mm-hmm. at mass. I was also an altar server, which means you're like a priest assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a theology major in college. I went to daily mass of my own volition. Wow. I, but what I liked about it, when I found in that, why I like, was um, the super leftist radical mm-hmm. elements of the Catholic Church. Liberation theology sure. is actually a, a thought process and like set of teachings that were used in Central and South America to overthrow oppressive governments that were killing innocent people to retain power. Yeah. So like the Catholic Church, I also, I lived in Rome for a while. I mean, like I was in. Wow. 
But what I was in for is the same stuff I still love today. Mm. Like I was in for the liberation. I was in for standing with people on the fringes of society and being like, it's okay to fight. The darkness that's at the center, Mm -hmm. which is like, which is money, which is wealth, the total corruption that wealth can cause when that's the only, when you value that over anything else. And I would Um, argue with like a sprinkling of patriarchy as well. (laughs) Right. I mean, patriarchy is is one of the greatest ways to keep wealth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that that pyramid scheme. Is to say Mm -hmm. that only some people deserve wealth. Yep. I mean, like, do you know why priests can't get married? This I mean, is like one of my favorite things to talk Please tell me you're to. setting me up for like a great joke right now. <laughs> no, this is not a, this is like, I mean, it, it depends on what you think a joke is. No, like, no, is I know. It, I knew you were about to be serious. Is okay. it something passed down uh, throughout history to oppress women? Yeah. Because um, when priests were having kids, mm-hmm. the male children and their family were inheriting land mm-hmm. away from the church. So like a church would be built, the priest was having a child, the male child was inheriting land. So if, if priests cannot get married, mm. then wealth cannot be inherited through families and it stays within the Catholic Church. Holy uh, shit! I can't believe I'm just learning about this now. So like, that's <laughs> what we're all protecting. You know what I mean? Like, like uh. when you go to mass, the darkness that you're protecting is that. And the Ugh. other side of that coin is actually like this totally like punk rock rebellious thing that some folks have used faith to access. Mm -hmm. So I just like cut off the faith. Gotcha. And I kept the other stuff. Wow. So I'm like an atheist. I don't believe in any of that shit. I'm totally outside of that. But I think it, I think the, or like I'm grateful to have some training Mm and like how to be where there is conflict. Although like in a white people way and in a patriarchy way. Sure. Oh my God. So you still go to church? Do you keep that at all? Like in a cultural way? Like I still go with my mom like once a year if I'm home at Christmas. I I wish I could. Mm -hmm. I respect that. It makes me so (laughs) mad. I miss it so much. I listen to Christmas carols like Mm. the moment they come on the radio. (laughs) It pops into my life in like the weirdest ways. Like Rhea, we were driving the other day and she's like, I'm, you have to turn off these carols. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) like, you don't understand. These are my favorite songs. Like, Meanwhile, you're three like, verses deep into Here Comes Santa Claus or something. Like, no, yeah. I'm like, I'm singing like Oh Holy Night, oh, wow. hitting the high note. Wow. Like, I'm singing like <laughs> We Three Kings. I'm like doing like the like serious like like baritone. Wow, know, like, like the church approved Christmas yes, songs. the wow. church approved. Wow. Um, I just, I'm, I will never not be mad that that was taken from me. Like, mm-hmm. like that I had what was really a cultural identity with all of these traditions and practices. Yeah. And then the darkness of that was revealed and I was like, and it just feels snatched. It just feels snatched out of my life. I think that's true for so many people right. that, I mean, I would say the same thing for like women who come to and suddenly realize that patriarchy exists mm-hmm. or for People that can ignore something or like that can be duped mm-hmm. and suddenly realize like, holy shit. Right. I, I feel like we get emails like this to the podcast a lot where people are like, kind of like low key, do you ever wish you could be less woke and just enjoy some stuff that you used to enjoy? And it's like, it, you know, you can't, I mean, there is like, yes, I can enjoy things that I can see lots of problems with, but also like there's no going back. <laughs> no. Also, men's rights activists have hijacked the matrix because they don't understand movies. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but <laughs> I know where's Keanu on this issue. I'm gonna, like, why? How has he not spoken out about the Reddit no, co-opting totally. of this? Like, <laughs> I want to believe in Keanu so bad. So but. you're saying like two <laughs> trans women made a movie about like really understanding like who you are mm-hmm. and like choosing to know yourself uh-huh. and live your life authentically instead of like in darkness and that you think that's about, like ultimate that's, masculinity yeah, that's dominating about, yeah. everything else. Holy shit, man. Um, but anyway, yes, <laughs> you, you have to live authentically. Thank God you know things. Thank God we le- learn things throughout uh, our lives. I know. That's like what aging is, I actually think. Mm. Aging is like really looking things in the eye. Mm-hmm. Then you die at the end of that. Yeah. So it's just like pretty, you know, it's a hopeful story. <laughs> well, I was going to say the other part of that is like just continuing to be more you. It's like the question oh, is like, yeah. oh yeah, like how can you Cameron harder in like the coming year? You know what I mean? Like that's like to me like aging. It's like, oh, the next year. Oh my God, in 10 years, I'm going to be like 10 times more me. What is that even going to be like? Wow, Holy that? Cow. Yeah. <laughs> Holy, I have like a sparkle brain from the sparkle brain meme from the internet. Mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That. You turned it on. And you know, the other thing I was going to say too, is that like the, the great thing is people are continuing to like make art that is like non-compromised and is inclusive. And it's like, yeah, like I, I try to like remind myself of that too, when I'm watching something where I'm like, okay, this is like 10% funny, but 90% garbage or whatever percentages they may be. I'm like, oh yeah, like there's probably an alternative if I look a little bit harder for it of something that is 100% pleasure. <laughs> oh you man. Know? And I'm smiling so much at that because I feel like that is for me as just career wise mm. been the most interesting part of this year is like, the the speed of the evolution of 2017, it, it's just like everything that I thought last week, mm-hmm. I'm having to improve upon this week. So it just means like for art, mm-hmm. I have like no idea what is going to be possible. I know that this is a stupid cliche. It does not make it good that society goes backwards. Right. But I'm just understanding why the cycle happens, which mm-hmm. is that like, it's because you're just like busting through walls in your brain constantly. So what is going to come out of all of this? Because not only are we going to know ourselves better, but also like like so much has been revealed. Right. So much is going to be continued to be revealed. Oh it's God. like stuff that was punk rock and <laughs> on the edge in 2017. In 2019 is going to seem like it was from 45 years ago. I love that idea. It is real. Yeah. That is real. Yeah. And like we're going to push so fast. And also mm. the internet, thank you. The internet, maybe mm. if you exist still. Um, Here's a, hoping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is also connecting access to those things. Right. So like you don't need a, the same kind of, you don't have to work through a gatekeeper. Yeah. Ah. Do you think about like what if, so you're 36, I am mere weeks away from being 36. We're basically the Get same age. Get over here, girl. It's I know. Good. I can't wait. <laughs> um, do you, cause so, so that means we're exactly the same age and I basically didn't have the internet when I was a baby. Oh yeah. Um, and so do you ever think about like what baby Cameron would have been like with the internet? Oh my gosh. I, <sighs> yes, I, ha- I have to every day because I, I feel like this is true for so many artists. So I really make art that I needed to see Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And it's like amazing how true that is. It is amazing how true that is. So like my first community of queer people was a blog that existed about the L word where like I was at this school where I couldn't come out, but I had internet access and like a desktop and I would, and I 
couldn't even watch The L Word because it was on premium cable, which you couldn't subscribe to through my dorm room. But I just could read that somebody could watch The L Word. Like, it was the concept that somebody could watch The L Word. And we're back to the importance of making, like, groundbreaking art. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The concept of The L Word was enough for you to, like, find a community. That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was was big. It was really big. And I'm actually kind of a shy person, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm an introvert. And so that was a great access point for me. I would never have like left the house and gone to, well, I did used to go, I used to drive across Boston to the one coffee shop that was called the Diesel Cafe, (laughs) (laughs) where there would be like, there were three queer people that worked there. Mm -hmm. And I would just, sometimes I would just go, I wouldn't even order anything. Mm. I I couldn't even make it to the counter, (laughs) but I could walk through the door and just go like, oh my God, and then leave. And were you just like, just getting closer? Just getting closer, <laughs> just seeing like, because my, the only person I knew who was gay was my girlfriend mm-hmm. and she and I, like our kiss was both of our realization that we were queer. So she had known more information mm-hmm. for me about what this was, what this would be like. Right. So I had like Dan Savage's column in the uh-huh. local alt weekly. Yeah. I had the Diesel Cafe, which I could sort of almost open the door to and maybe would eventually order from. I have this image of you like an orphan outside, like defogging it with like a breath and rubbing the window and peering through at the Like so people. many scarves, yeah. even though it's summer. Yes, exactly. Why is she so cold? <laughs> You're just shivering in 90 degree heat outside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? It's so amazing because it's like now I'm sure that like like those that girl who just had her first kiss and realized you know important things about herself is like listening to you and like maybe you know on joining some online forum about take my wife. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm basically gonna burst into tears even thinking about that. You know, a really cool thing is that um, I wonder if you have this. Uh, kids and parents. The last tour, mm. this this used to this has happened a little bit more over the last couple of years. But the last tour was a lot. Mm-hmm. It would be like a young queer person, and then their parent, like making the decision to help them get to our show or to expose them to us or to like support them. And the parent would always be like waiting in the back. They wouldn't come up and meet us at the meet and greet. And I would be like, please come over here mm-hmm. and just tell them like this is great parenting. I just say that to every, like, thank you for what you're doing. This is awesome. And then, you know, the kids would be like humiliated and mortified that I was talking to their parents, but somebody has to tell the parent that this is the right thing to do. Oh, I I love that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's amazing. Like young teens. Mm -hmm. Oh God. I I know. I love hearing about good parents. (laughs) Also, what? (laughs) Good parents and, oh my God, like going to stand up. Mm-hmm. With a parent is so risky already because mm-hmm. probably any comic is going to talk about the existence of sex, which is so humiliating. Sure. But the idea that like both that kid and that parent is like getting through that hurdle. Right. Because sexuality, identity, and like gender is so much. Oh, anyway, yeah. I just, I understand the <laughs> sacrifice that they're making to sit next to their parent yes. while I may talk about the existence of sex. It's like, oh my God. I get it. It's raw. There's that's, there's so much happening <laughs> yes. in that scenario. It's I'm true. like, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Um, so I have to ask you before we go, because obviously we talk about friendship all the time. I'm curious about your closest friends 
who they are, who are the people when you were like, oh my God, I have a really hard decision to make or like, I just can't wrap my head around this thing or whatever it may be, who you call and tell me about just one of them, two of them. Wow, that I've never been asked that question ever. Um, this is what our podcast is here for. Good job, good job. <laughs> Breaking ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have two sisters. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle. So there's something about being Italian and Catholic and from the suburbs in the Midwest where I was literally, we were taught, the thing that my parents taught us like every day was don't leave your sisters behind. It was said with such seriousness that I felt like I had no idea what they were predicting would happen <laughs> in our lives. Very apocalyptic, actually. Don't leave your sisters behind. Yeah. Um, it's like <laughs> dark. But my siblings are the closest people to me in the world. Mm-hmm. They are both the straightest women you've ever met in your life. <laughs> they are both unbelievably interesting and doing really cool things that have nothing to do with my job. Um, they they live very far away from me. My little sister lives in South America. My Older sister lives on the other side of the country and just rad people. And I'm very lucky because because of them, you know, I just was raised in this family where like women can really achieve anything. I mean, what between my siblings and I, and there was a time in our 20s when we all lived on the same block prior to me moving to Los Angeles. We all lived on the same block. We like moved out of my parents' house, <laughs> moved to different <laughs> cities, and then moved back to Chicago and lived on the same block. And we're all the same size. Well, my little sister is two, two inches shorter. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you would think we were tri- triplets. We all look mm-hmm. exactly the same. And yeah, just like having women like that around me. I've never been scared to mm-hmm. try to do something because I'm a woman, because I'm a woman. Even though people tell me literally every day, <laughs> to stop doing my job because women are funny. <laughs> I've never believed that for one second because right. I have very strong women in my I'm life. laughing even when you say that. That's how funny <laughs> you are. That's how wrong they are. I'm like, oh, isn't that funny? That's so, I mean, it is though. Like at this point, it's more like of the whole we're laughing at you thing if someone says that. Yes, because like really in what world? Them, in that. what world? Know. You know, it's like grandpa's ranting in the corner again. Like, I yeah. know. But it is also so weird. The weirdness of that, I will never get over. Yeah. Also going to someone's job and telling them that they can't do their job while they're doing their job is so weird. It is very weird. It is just weird. like, if it was anything else, that it would be, it's just completely bizarre. But yes, yeah. anyway, <laughs> I have siblings that we are nothing alike. We have completely different interests, mm-hmm. but they're powerful, powerful women. I love that. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Sometimes a sister is a bestie. I love, uh, you know, it's like I lifelong. Have, yeah. I have sister besties. Yeah. They've been there through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It is real. I don't know if anybody's listening has sister yeah. besties, but oh my God, when you have that overlap, it is so, it's so much. It's everyone everyone <laughs> without a sister bestie is seething with jealousy right now. <laughs> seething. I don't know. I mean, sometimes it is the worst. Yeah. You know, you don't want people to know you that well. I mean, it's, it's very dangerous to be known. <laughs> right? It's really dangerous yeah. to be known. If I wanted to be known. Yeah. Tell me about the rest of your 2018 that you have coming up that like we can all look forward to. So this is the big news is that um, the thing that I'm working on right now, I can't talk about. Of course, you can never talk about the big stuff. But it's a TV project. And one thing that people could do is um, put their, you know, like put their hearts and minds that it goes forward. I've been working on it for a long time and it has 
a lot of momentum right now. So I'm really excited. Let's Ooh. hope. Cross all of our fingers okay. and toes. The album Back to Back, which mm-hmm. that I released with Rhea is still out. And then I will have new episodes of my podcast, Query. I will either have just or I will be about to be releasing an episode with Lena Waithe that Ooh. I recorded yesterday. That was really great. So what's up? Just, I'm excited. I know. I had an Emmy winner at my house. It's also been so exciting to hear you as an interviewer. You are, like, really good at, like, you know, not just being the one telling the jokes, but drawing people out. Yeah. Thanks. I'm giving it a go. Yeah. It's hard. It is really (laughs) hard. So I'm just, like, recognizing that you're doing a great job. Oh, thanks. And I'm so excited to hear about this possible maybe probably going to happen But then, like, obviously it'll just go away in a puff of smoke. I mean, you know how everything that – we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I want to say on record Mm -hmm. that I am very grateful for Call Your Girlfriend and for you and the work that you do. Thanks. This has been a really, uh, this has been a really hard year. I know a lot of people would agree that it's important to have people that travel with you in your ears Mm. uh, that are telling you that you're not seeing things that aren't there. I wanted to say being seen, but like, it's like being heard, being recognized. It's not a, yeah, the podcast Honestly, makes it hard with seeing metaphors. Like relaxing and mm. letting somebody else drive for a minute. Ooh, like, ranting on your behalf. Yes, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I mean, you know what it is like to do this job where like mm. you have to create, I mean, I, I love my job, but also when you are like creating thoughts for a living, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the only one that's, that thinks this thing. Totally. And I'm not, and you're not, and that's what's great about right now. I'm, mm. I've been trying to like, give people props and reach out and just say like, I see what you're doing because Mm. like we're creating this wall of truth and like, (laughs) it's not just like a single signpost, you know, like we're all together lining up and it really matters. Mm -hmm. It really matters. Man, wall of truth, name of your new production company. Wall of truth. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all serious. Um, Cameron, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Okay, thanks to Cameron, the best, and um, see you, person I never refer to as my girlfriend, on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) See you, platonic woman that is my friend. Uh, (laughs) You know, maybe we can, that's what we'll rebrand the show as, call your platonic girlfriend. Call your platonic woman friend. (laughs) I know. Let's call call Robin and have her change the lyrics of the song, too, so nobody's confused. Please. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The Bleed, on the Call Your Girlfriend website. Uh, You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. All original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. And this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. <laughs>